This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. outside. I mean, it is beautiful. You know, it does get a whole lot better than this, folks, and we're going to be talking about what you can do outside in this beautiful weather, because we're going to talk about gardening. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and you have tuned in to Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Gestalt Gardener. We're going to just talk about gardening in the South, whatever you got going on or don't or want to or heard about or just not quite sure about or want to run by some, doesn't really matter. It's just folks chatting. You don't have to put on decent clothes. You don't have to join anything. You don't have to pay dues. We're just going to talk about what's going on in your garden. It is a live program here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. So sit back, relax. We're going to do just a little bit of news. Come back. I got a little cheesy tune coming up, but mostly it's all about you and your garden. Stick with us, folks. Uh, I'm not sure about my screen here, but other than that, everything's cool. And there's a lot going on right now, a whole lot. This time of year, springtime, our friends up north are getting ready. Their version of uh, Wait Till Good Friday is coming up. They don't really start planting their gardens up up in the Midwest and New England until uh, Memorial Day because their soil is still cold and the rains are still cold and all that kind of stuff. We've got tomatoes and people are digging their potatoes and we've got peppers and all sorts of things that have come along because... Because we have a long growing season. Matter of fact, we can plant two complete back-to-back, I don't mean just vegetables, but flowers. Flowers wear out, too, here in the summertime. Hot, humid, summer nights, heavy rains. We have time to plant two complete, start-to-finish, back-to-back gardens uh, in in the south. You can start planting stuff in late March or April, and you can actually plant summer vegetables as late as the first week in August and get a harvest before frost. Not saying you ought to do that, but I'm just saying if you don't feel like you've had a chance to get around because the ground is wet, we've had a lot of rain, or you just don't feel like it, or maybe last week when you felt like it, it was just too hot and humid, we got plenty of time, so just relax. Relax. Gardening is not horticulture. Horticulture, matter of fact, let me just bring this in, Abram. Uh, you may not be aware, I'm a horticulturist. I mean, I know you got d- all sorts of... D- stuff and you did construction and all like that but horticulturists are like architects they know a lot but they can't do anything so it's planning versus just going for it what's now, the difference h- horticulture is a science of of producing crops vegetables fruits landscaping yard of the month uh filling them up a greenhouse emptying it out uh uh, you know, services, all sorts, if it's related to production somehow, if there's a goal or if you've got uh, something you want to do efficiently. Horticulture has all these rules, efficiently. You know, architects, they know about this and that and all that. But when it comes to actually nailing boards together, that's where gardening comes in. Okay. Uh, gardeners are, are in it for the for the journey. It's more of a process rather than a product. See, so if we never quite get there, we're still going to have a good time, <laughs> you, know, you know, and uh, as long as there's not any zoning or codes involved, gardeners are going to get by. 
So uh, anyway, how are you? Your sister's graduating this evening, right? Yeah, she is. She is valedictorian at her school. Wow. Yeah. Well, so yeah. Uh, did she, uh, I mean, did, did you take after that? No. <laughs> no, I, I was, I think I was top 20 in a class of 90, so. Yeah, well, I was, uh, maybe I shouldn't say this because I'm a retired associate professor. You know, I'm retired from Mississippi State, but I flunked out of junior college. <sighs> You know, excuse me. You don't flunk out of junior college because they'll, they, if you're dumb, they'll work with you. You know, no, I partied out of junior college. You end up on an aircraft carrier, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, um, process is my deal. Product is not. <laughs> so, and, um, I think uh, when we start getting some calls, I can probably see that screen up there. I'm not quite sure. But uh, for the next hour, if you've got some things on your mind about your lawn, a lot of people are having trouble because their grass got damaged by that winter. Not the winter, that hard freeze we had in December. It killed a lot of plants, particularly up in central North Mississippi. Uh, damaged a whole lot. Figs got burned to the ground. Gardenias, uh, cliera, so many plants got damaged by that sudden hard early freeze that the plants weren't weren't ready for. They hadn't had a chance to, to, to harden off for winter. And then when they started sprouting out a little bit early this spring, we had a late freeze that uh, did a lot more damage. And a lot of people are still concerned about that. I just want to let you all know I am with you. I actually lost a shrub, a cliera shrub, which was planted in front of my house when the house was built in the 1940s. as an 80-something-year-old shrub that got killed completely. And uh, I've never seen that before. So if you think that uh, if you want to talk to somebody who understands, who empathizes, this is a good chance. I'm not going to try to sell you anything. But instead of cutting mine completely down and replacing it, I'm cutting it off about waist high. It's got multiple big old trunks as big around as my, as my legs. It's got several trunks. I'm going to cut them off at the same level and put a great big old round uh, a t- glass tabletop on it and use it as, as a table in my yard. That way I don't have to worry about digging up the trunk and all that kind of stuff. So anyway... I can't quite see that. You're going to have to read that for me. I, the, my screen in here is not on. So. Yeah, we got Chico. It starts with a C. C. Chico. Chico in Oxford. Chico, what's going on, man? Hey, good morning, y'all. Good morning. <laughs> uh, is, is, is that Jay there that has the daughter the, with the valedictorian? My sister. This is Abram. My oh, sister okay, is Abram. valedictorian. Sorry, I, oh, your sister is. Yes, well, right sir. on. Very cool. Tell her I said congratulations. I will. She'll be stoked to hear about that, that she got talked about on the radio. Oh, that's very cool. We we need more students like her in the world. And, Felder, I wanted to tell you that Bruce Springsteen also flunked out of junior college. <laughs> and we both grew up and got not really jobs, but we get paid for what we do. <laughs> So, exactly. And you both got long hair. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So anyway, what you got going on this morning? You got an important tree question? I do. Now, I got a, a, around my place, I've got all kind of trees. I got oats and I've got sweet gum, unfortunately, and I've got mimosas. Not mm-hmm. enough of them, in my opinion. But I'm just curious as to why the other trees sprout out their greenery before the mimosa does. I, I get worried about them every year because their leaves don't come out as quick as the other trees. Well, you know, there's there's a couple of things. First of all, a lot of trees actually they flower before they put out leaves. Some put, but some come out earlier because plants tell time by the amount of 
what they call chilling hours. It's not freezing. It's above freezing, but it's below 45. And the number of chilling hours they get is how they decide when it's springtime. If we have a really hard, cold winter and then a warm spell, a long winter, a cold spell, they'll spread out early. So, uh, And that's the reason, by the way, we don't grow cherries here in the south. They need a long – and lilacs. They need a long chilling period and we don't have that. Anyway, a lot of trees uh, branch out later just as a protective thing. You got to keep in mind, mimosa is not from here. You know, it's, it's from it's from from uh, from uh, Eastern Asia, and it may be it may be from an area that needs to be a little bit colder, longer, or something. But anyway, I, well, how I, did it get here? Was it a kudzu-like thing? Well, sort of. A, a guy named Andre Michaud in the 1780s introduced several plants to a to a place in South Carolina called Middleton Place. Got burned down during the Revolutionary War, got burned down in the Civil War, but anyway, Middleton Place where he introduced the first camellias, he introduced the first mimosas and a couple of other things, and uh, a lot of those are still there. But uh anyway, I I got to call you out on something in a in a, a a friendly way. You say you like the mimosas, which a lot of people think are real weeds. But you don't right. like the sweet gums, which are a native weedy plant. So are you just being selective indignation here? No, I got bad feet. I hate walking on them <laughs> Well, let me give you a real quick tip. Are you and anybody else listening? And I like sweet gums. They have about the best fall color we can have. And uh, as far as uh, the feet, that's what flip-flops are made for. But anyway, what I do with, here's what I do with my mimosa. And a lot of people don't like it because it spreads everywhere. Well, it's flowers. Uh, in the, the, and they're starting to flower now, a little bit early. But mimosa flowers are magnets for hummingbirds and, and pollinators. And they're real fragrant. And the tree is exotic looking. What I do, instead of cutting it down in the winter and letting it sprout back out like a lot of people, as soon as mine get through blooming, I cut them way back then. Uh, that way I get to enjoy the flowers, the hummingbirds, the pollinators. And then it sprouts back out the rest of the summer. It's long arching. looks like a giant fern. So you cut it down in the summertime, you get a big fern the rest of the year. It blooms the next year and cut it down again in the, in, in the, in the summertime. Now, that's very interesting. You're talking about get up there where the flower is. No, no, no. I, I, I cut it almost to the ground. And they put out stems that I can't put my fingers around, uh, 8, 10, 12 feet long, big, long, arching, fern-looking things that bloom the next year. So, I no, I cut it down really, really close every summer. Sprouts right back out. Well, I have learned something this morning on Mississippi Public Radio. I appreciate it. It's called Think Radio, man. Appreciate you, Chico. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Thank you. Yeah, that's our goal. <laughs> okay. Now, let's slide, slide down to the Gulf Coast and see what Hugh is up to. Good morning, Hugh. Uh, yeah, good morning. Howdy. Uh, I was wondering if I have missed uh, the opportunity to take cuttings off a couple of my plants. I tried three, and I got one that I'm pretty sure is going to make it. Mm, depends on what the plant is. What, well, what, one is an idea. Yeah. You know, and, 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 for, and for what it's worth, you know, they send out suckers. You can dig up little plants a lot quicker than you can, can root a cutting. But anyway, here's the, the general rule of thumb. And keep in mind that there's an Aunt Mamie out there. There's always somebody named Aunt Mamie who always does it exactly wrong and it works. So I'm not saying that you ought to, but the general rule of thumb is if it drops its leaves in the winter 
it roots best in the winter. If it's evergreen, it roots best when new growth comes out in the summer, kind of toughens up a little bit, late May, June, sometime like that. So uh, the real tender, floppy new stuff and the old, hardy, woody stuff don't root as well. So uh, I'd give it a, another I, try in, in, a, in three or four weeks or then make a, a point to do it in the, in the wintertime. Well, I like your idea about the IT because it's putting off little suckers. And then the other one, like I said, you know, I didn't say this part, I guess. But uh, the Althea was the one I took. It, it seemed like it was skinny and spindly, so I took some cuttings off to try to make it more bush-like. Yeah, well, you know, pruning uh, it back will – we'll, yeah, pr- pruning it back does bush it out, but um, and uh, and Althea's or what some people call Rose of Sharon, they root both yeah. in the winter and in the early so late late spring, early summer. So e- either way will work fine. Um, by the way, those suckers, if you move some of the suckers, go ahead and cut them back to a few inches tall. Uh, otherwise, uh, and that'll that'll help with the transplant, but also that'll make them branch out. You'll have a whole lot more growth by the end of the summer. And Itea, not only great flowers, but it has incredible fall color. So go ahead and cut them back to two or three, four, maybe five inches tall when you move them. They'll do great. And the Althea, too? No, Althea is more of a large shrub or small tree. I mean, you can cut them back. They, they, they bloom on new growth, but um, we grow them more like a, a big old uh, shrub rose type thing. You know, if you can, if you've got room to grow, give it room to grow. Just let it keep going up. It's a, yeah, it makes a small tree. There's one of the ag museums that's been there since the 1980s that uh, is probably, I don't know, 15, 16 feet tall. But it's an old one, and a matter of fact, it came from a cutting from an old Victory Garden host named Jim Wilson. Uh, but in, anyway, small tree, large shrub, you can prune them if you want to. And I may still be able to get a cutting off of it. Do I need to put something like root on? No, nah, ain't on no. You know the science. Well, I, like you know? well, I would put it in a, a good, well-drained potting soil. Uh, and keep it moist, and then put it in a place that not it needs light, it needs energy to grow roots, but full sun will make it wilt too fast. So I'd put it in a really bright, indirect sun, and then cut the bottom off a big plastic cola bottle, throw the cap away, set it over the pot like a little miniature greenhouse with an open chimney at the top. That'll keep the humidity on it. Okay. All right. Okay, guy. Hang in there. Bye. Appreciate it. All right. Before we next go to the go to the next call, let me mention this. Um, Heather Russell, who's a listener, uh, she sent me a question about something, and uh, she also wanted to to add a new thing. Um, uh, Abram, you may not know, we started this thing about here's some got my sunglasses on. Here's here's some some words that are not cuss words, but they sound like it. Oh dear! And they're related to gardening. Are they okay on the radio? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The closest one, you know. And I grew some potatoes this year. You get some Irish potatoes and cut the little eyes off, and you plant those and grow in the new plants. Well, doing that process, it starts with a ch. It's called chitting, and that's where the phrase "chitten me taters" comes from. <laughs> okay. But anyway, she she said she said a really good one, hollyhock. She said, that little hollyhocker dug up all my bulbs and don't give a hollyhock what I think about it. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. That is poetry right there. <laughs> Thank you for that, Heather. Uh, hollyhocking. Um, and then also, next Sunday, a week from this coming Sunday, 
We're doing a big plant swap outside Greenwood. It's going to be Sunday afternoon. A lot of people are, are you know, I think that's Memorial Day weekend. But anyway, uh, if you're going to be anywhere near Greenwood, which is right on the edge of the Delta, halfway up between Winona and Greenville, uh, we're going to have a really big, fun, fun, relaxed, kickback plant swap. I'll give details about that a little bit later. But meanwhile, let's talk to Joyce, who's calling from Northwest Alabama. Good morning, Joyce. Howdy. Good morning. How are you this morning? I'm fine. Thank you for holding. What's up? I have found what I think is it's a wild, a native plant. It's called Virgin's Bower. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, my son put an apple on my phone, and I've had a lot of fun walking around because we live in the country <laughs> and finding things and, and identifying them that way. But um, I found it in the yard or on the edge of our yard, and then um, here lately... My neighbor and I found some that was actually blooming, and it's got a little small red flower on it, about the size mm. of a quarter, with the yellow center. How would I? How could I make a cutting or something and root it and grow it in the yard? Uh, okay, For, first of all, is this a shrub or is it a vine? It's a vine, and and with it red says, flowers. It says when I identified it on the app, it said something about clematis or from the family or something, clematis, something. We, we, we have some, some native clematis. Um, I don't remember if there's any real ones. We do have some, but um, anyway, without seeing a picture of it, I, and if you can send me a picture, I can sure I did, but uh, without seeing a picture, I, I don't know. So what's your question about it, though? How could I, how could I propagate it? Ooh, without knowing what it is, I really don't know because vines, uh, some vines, some plants root. You you just take a cutting and it roots anywhere you make a cutting. Some only root from the leaf joints. And a lot of vines are that way. You know, they only grow roots and new shoots from the old leaf joints. That's where that cellular differentiation happens. But uh, so without really knowing for sure, I can't give good information. Uh, if you if there's plenty of it out there, it might be easier and it's certainly a lot faster if you could just simply cut it back to a few inches, a foot or so tall, and move it and its roots and let it sprout back out. That's the quickest, the surest way without without knowing what it is. As long as it's not an endangered or protected species, uh, I th- that, that'd be the best way to save it. As far as from a cutting, I'd really have to know what it is. Okay, okay. Well, and so you, could you from from the how to do a, a regular clematis, um, you don't think I could do it that way? I mean, I don't even know how to do a regular clematis, I, I, how I would do I, one. You, you could, but I would hate for you to booger up a plant and it not be the right way to do it. You know, so it'd be better if we could find out for sure what it is. If there's any way you can go, if you can send me a picture, and, and it's real easy. I have a, a an email, felderrushing.blog. It has a little button that says, email me. If you can send me a picture of it, we can find out real quick. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm not real tech savvy. I mean, tech savvy. I don't know if I could do it, but I might give it a try sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, are there any teenagers? I mean, you're in northwest Alabama, right? Yes. Go over to the Botanic Garden and uh, take a picture to uh, Huntsville Botanic Garden. If you haven't been there lately, it's a cool, cool garden. Go over there and see if they can't help you with it. If not, get them to show you how to email me. Okay. Okay. Well, I appreciate it so much. Oh, I got to ask you a question now. You're in North East Alabama. I got so lost there one time. I didn't know if I was in Alabama or Tennessee or Mississippi, but I found the Coon Dog Cemetery. You know about that? Yes. Yes, we only live <laughs> about five miles from there. And you still got cell reception out there? 
Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. And we're about to get fiber optic uh, Internet. We're Ooh. so excited. <laughs> Ooh. Well, good luck. And in, uh, in one way or the other, let me know what it turns out to be. Okay. And and the, it's, it's Felder Russian? Blog. Uh, dot blog. B-L-O-G. Uh, you just okay, you, well, do, you just do Felder Russian. I come up like a bad gas on the Internet. <laughs> and one will send, send it to my blog. Yeah, he's everywhere. Okay. Okay, well, thank y'all so much. Y'all have a good Thanks for your call. Um, There is a plant swap coming up a week from this coming Sunday in Greenwood. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be fun. It's going to be in plenty of social distancing, if you're worried about that. But um, we'll be talking about that also next week. My native plant of the week is, uh, I forgot the name of it. It's a magnolia. I'm looking right at the flower. Sweet Bay Magnolia. Sweet Bay Magnolia. Sweet little flower. It's just barely fit into a, into a teacup. Meanwhile, let's slide over to Horn Lake and talk with David. David, what's going on? Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I got a question. I suffer from a chronic disease called laziness. I hate to do <laughs> yard work. Uh, I've let a portion of my backyard behind a six-foot wooden fence go kind of natural. Yeah. I got a buckeye bush, spider wart, and then I got some surprise lilies growing there. Yeah. And I got pokeweed that is coming up and it's starting to kind of take over. And I also started me a compost pile. Anyway, make a long story short, does a pokeweed is that like a host plant or deserve any kind of beneficial use or whatnot? I like to get some uh, pollinator and uh, natural uh, native plants to, that are low-maintenance, drought-tolerant or whatnot. Because all I want to do is sit in the backyard and watch the hummingbirds and, and watch the bird. I don't want to do no yard work. So help me out here. <laughs> well, the, to answer your question, no, the backward thing, The you know, if you just take your glasses off and ignore all the weeds back there, is the neighbor on the other side of the fence too, or is there anybody over there? Well, that's probably, I mean, it, it's, it's, they haven't got six feet high yet, but, I mean, nobody can see it. Yeah. I, I'm in an enclosed wooden yeah. fence. Nobody can see it and I whatnot. Gotcha. And, like I said, the poke weeds are starting to take over. It's about four, four, yeah, four yeah. feet high, and I'm starting to see a little bloom blossom show up yeah. on it. And uh, yeah. right, I cut it down and put something, and chop it down and put something else there or just let it go natural or what, man? You know, well, for, first of all, you know, you're going to have to get up off your chair and go shave or take a shower or something. You've got to do something. You can't just sit there. And while you're up there, you might as well cut a little bit of stuff to keep it from getting too thick. You know, uh-huh. uh, a yard can turn into a big, hairy beard real quick if you don't take care of it. Well, so at, at, at least pluck the no, the hairs all around the rim of your ears. That's the okay. that's the approach to gardening. Do a little bit. Anyway, to answer your question, uh, pokeweed or pokeberry, it can get pretty good size, and the flowers are good for pollinators. And equally important, it has these little chains of uh, blueberries, which birds really like. So, you know, it's a wildlife plant. You can also, you could have eaten it last week. Once it starts to flower, it's too late. But when it first comes up in the spring, you can cut the young leaves off of the young poke uh, plant, boil them at least twice, pour the water off two times, or else it'll, severe gastric disturbance comes to mind. Anyway, you can you can cook and eat the, the young leaves if you boil them at least twice. Uh, matter of fact, you can chop them up like spinach and, and stuff zucchini with it if you want to. But uh, anyway, it is a pretty plant. It's used in European gardens as an ornamental plant, but they don't let it go crazy. They thin them out to just one here and one over there and one someplace else. So, you know, get you a good 
powerful string trimmer sometime. I mean, a good one, not one of these cheap things. And uh, at least once or twice a year, go around there and cut a lot of stuff down and leave some stuff. And no two people do it alike, so don't worry about which, which to do and which not to do. Okay. But is it is it a host plant? Does it the catap is it like I know uh, uh, milkweeds uh, for a monarch. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm sure that there's something that feeds on the leaves, but but again, the flowers you know support pollinators. The berries support birds. So you know that's two benefits. But uh, I don't know if there's any particular uh, insect. I'd have to Google it and find out. There's just too much uh-huh. of that to know. But but uh, and uh, while you're at it, you know, do you know what goldenrod is? Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't know what, I, well, I don't know when, what it looks like. Or not. When you see some this fall, it's got, it's got uh, yellow flowers. It's tall stems with these sort of, uh, you know, clusters of little yellow flowers. When you see some of that, put one or two of those out there because it grows real, real easy with the pokeberry, and it's a super plant for supporting all sorts of critters uh, in the late summer and fall. But anyway, take your time and add a few things, but don't let it go well. Every now and then you got to, if you can't do it, get somebody else to come in and pluck the hairs off the end of your nose. That's that's gardening. You got to do well, something. Well, I, take, I take a weed eater to my spider wart because it's starting to take over everything. I what, got spider okay. wart. Okay, while you're at it, take down some of the pokeberry. All right, thanks so much. All right, appreciate it, man. Hey, and you know, remember, you got to get up every now and then. All right, have a good one. <laughs> okay, see. Okay, and I'm not sure which of these calls I'm supposed to do. We got four different. Got red. We got orange. We got what? Which? What am I supposed to do here? I think Barbara in Boonville is next. Okay, that that would make sense. Barbara calling from Boonville. Good morning, Barbara. How are you? I'm fine. I got a question about cantaloupes and squash. If you plant them together, mm-hmm. do they cross pollinate? It was really interesting because that question came up uh, today. On I was I was uh, looking at the Mississippi Gardening Facebook, and a lot of people say you shouldn't do that. You know, Grandpa never did it. There's all sorts of people say you should not do that. And the truth is, there's no problem doing it at all, except that one can overtake the other. You know, if you plant things that are really aggressive, one may bury the other. But cross pollination only affects the seeds. It's a genetic thing. So if you're going to save your seeds. You don't want to plant really close related, you know, uh, squash together. If you plant a zucchini and a summer squash together, they'll cross pollinate, but you'll still get zucchini and you'll still get yellow squash. But if you save the seeds, it's going to be weird. So it only affects the mm-hmm. seeds. So there's not a problem with pollination or anything like that. Okay, this is uh, cantaloupes that I planted. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But see, can, 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 cantaloupe and squash and melons and cucumbers are all related, but they usually don't cross. They they usually don't pollinate between the different species. But even if they did, it only affects the seeds, not the not the size or the shape or the flavor of the fruits. Okay, it'd be all right this year laden like that, but don't plant the seed next year. That's right, because it'll be something weird. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Okay, my husband's on nasty something. Okay. What about the cantaloupes and uh, uh, mushmallows? Well, now they will cross pollinate, but again, it only affects the seeds. So, uh, if you don't save your seeds, it's not a problem. But if you try to save your seeds, you're going to get something that's a cross between the two next year. You know, like I say. Okay. So that's that's the only problem if you're trying to save seeds. If you want to save seeds, plant them way away from each other. Oh, okay. Okay. All right, Dan. All righty. Y'all stay cool. It's going to be humid this weekend. Yes, it is. Appreciate it. You Thank know. you. All righty. Uh, Ron from 
Shaco, Mississippi. Ron, where is Shaco? Uh, it's East Madison County near Rattler Ferry. Okay, you're way on out there then, aren't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember when that used to be out in the country, when Highway 25 was just two-lane. Oh. <laughs> what you got going on today? Uh, yeah, I have some muscadine vines, tame muscadine vines that were transplanted. They were producing great, transplanted them from Hines County to Madison County. And the vines do great, uh, but they aren't producing any fruit. Did did you get these? I'm wondering if I can graft or something like that, maybe. Well, they they don't graft. You know, grapes. Some vines will graft, but muscadines don't. You know, they they don't root as easily and they don't graft as easily as as, as other grapes. But did, did they, were these wild ones or were they tame ones? No, they were. T- I guess I would call them tame. They were bought. Okay, if they were bought, they should still produce okay. But here's the deal: uh, muscadines come in. And two kinds. One is male or female, either male or female, one or the other. And there's some hybrids that are self-pollinating. One vine will pollinate itself. But a lot of the old-fashioned varieties are either male or female. If you don't have, if you got all male, if if they were producing, that means they're female. But if they were all female and you don't have a self-pollinate one nearby, they're not going to be able to make fruit. So what you might want to do is, is go to a, a garden center and get a what they call a self-fertile or self-pollinating variety muscadine and put it nearby. It'll pollinate itself and the other ones around it. But if they're not producing at all, it could just be because you, you only have the female and the self-pollinating one didn't make the transfer. If, if the, I appreciate it. All righty. Good luck on it. I thank you. Okay, now we... We got somebody calling from Clinton about poke salad. Danny, what you going to help us with? Well, don't throw them away. <laughs> okay, what? Why not? I, 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 I've eaten my weight in poke salad. Put put boiled egg on. Anyway, Mama could fix it, but it was good. How, how, many, ta- how many times did she boil it? I think three times. Yeah, at least twice, but three times. That's right. Otherwise, it'll, it'll give you the gastric disorder. So uh, so you right. boil it down, you chop it up like spinach, and you chop in some boiled eggs with it. What else? You, what do you flavor it yeah. with? Uh, any any, any uh, pepper sauce, anything like that. But anyway, the in the fall when it has the seeds on mm-hmm. and, the, and the berries, right? Don't if you have grandchildren, invite them over and take the berries and mash them up and make war paint. <laughs> And it will, it it won't come off close. You you need to tell you know your grandkids are okay, but your children, the grandkids' parents, are gonna be upset if they get it on their clothes. Let them just be upset. <laughs> it's good That's great. That is. Good for and be sure to take pictures. It's beautiful. That that purple is so pretty for wall for wall paint. Yeah, would like to throw this out. Be sure to tell them they can't eat them. A lot of kids don't know the difference between blueberries and blueberries, and uh, the the bears on they, they they shouldn't eat them. But the war paint thing, what a great trick to pay pay on your grown children. <laughs> Appreciate it, man. It's love. Have a good day. Appreciate it. Well, that was that's what we call a lanyap. That's lanyap. Let's go to Pearl and see what Alan's up to. Alan, good morning. How are you? Hey, Mister Taylor. I'm good to talk to y'all again. Um, 
I work out here at State Hospital, and we've got a bunch of lantana. And years ago, they did just fine. But the last couple of three years, they do. They're looking real nice right now. But about midsummer, it's like something comes through and just burns. They all die. Yeah. And then you cut them down because they look awful, and then they'll come back. And they and they look fine. Yes. Um, so, what kind of problem we have? You know, th- this is this is one of those weird things. Over the years, I've heard a lot of stuff, and I looked it up, and I learned it. I've seen this on Lantana. It looked like they'd just been burnt. They're not black, but they get all crispy and all. Uh, and I and I've seen that over and over, and I've never looked up to find out what causes it because I just know you cut them down, they come back out. So. I don't know whether it's a disease or whether it's spider mites or something like that, but I see this pretty good bit, and uh, I'll have to I'll have to do some research on that, not just for y'all, but for me too, because I'm curious. But uh, there's not anything you can do about it, so uh, other than just cutting them down, that's about all you can do. Right. Well, I know years ago we didn't have this problem, and, and that goes for a lot of things now. But. Yeah, well, I, I've actually seen that all my life on lantanas, you know, so it just oh, okay. y- y- y'all hadn't had it yet. But oh, okay. uh, yeah. it, it may be a real common fungus that shows up when we have hot, dry weather. I, I just don't know. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Appreciate well, you calling. All right. Thanks a lot. Okay. It's a good time to be a gardener in the South before it gets too hot, before it gets too hot uh, and humid like it was this past week. Uh, before we go to the calls, let me throw out a couple of things. I'm getting a lot of emails and, and questions about stickers or what they call lawn burweed. Lawn burweed is stickers. Uh, kids can't play. The dolls can't get them out of their paws, and everybody's freaking out. What can we do about stickers? Here's the real deal. There's nothing you can do about stickers now except get the kids some flip-flops and help the dogs. Uh, stickers sprout from seed in the fall. They look like little ferny, uh, almost like little little uh, parsley little plants. They grow all winter. They have tiny little white flowers. They bloom. They set seed, which are the stickers, and then they die. So you're trying to spray stickers. You're spraying a plant that's already dying, and the stickers are already there. If you have problems with stickers now and you want to get rid of them, two things. First of all, this year... Take care of your lawn. Raise your mower. Give it a little good quality lawn fertilizer, not ag fertilizer or or garden fertilizer. Lawn, gentle, slow, steady, long-feeding lawn fertilizer. That will thicken your grass up, and you won't have as many stickers to sprout this fall. Uh, Otherwise, you're going to be having to spray the stickers in late December or January. The plants are small. They're easy to control. They haven't flowered yet. Your grass is dormant or nearly dormant. So if you want to spray something, it's wait till late, a nice warm weekend in late December, January, very early February. Sticker plants are easy to kill right then, and it'll prevent the sticker seeds in the spring. Anybody tells you different and just simply doesn't know what they're talking about, I'm going to say it. They don't know what they're talking about. Too late to control stickers now. Raise your mower, fertilize, and then if you need to, spray this December, January. And then the last thing, if you planted lettuce 
and you haven't gotten around to eating it, you need to start eating quick because when it gets hot, I notice that I, I plant different kinds of lettuce because it's pretty and it's tastier. But lettuce starts to get bitter when it starts to flower. It's called bolting. When lettuce starts to flower and it gets hot weather, it gets bitter. So eat it as quick as you can or else load up on some kind of sugary salad dressing to cover up that bitter. Anyway, let's, uh, let's stay here in Jackson and uh, talk with Sharon. Sharon, I appreciate your call this morning. Hey, Felder. Howdy. What's up? I live in an apartment, and there is a shady place. Never going to get any sun uh, outside under the stairwell, and I have this cute uh, flower cart. What flowers or herbs can I plant that would thrive in the shade? Well, there, there, there's, there's not as many choices in the sun, but you got plenty of choices. Um, I would always include, no matter where it is, sun or shade, I would always include a little low-growing shrub-type thing, you know, like a little dwarf nandina or aspidistra, the cast-iron plant, or, you know, some kind of shade-loving little small shrub. A clump, a big, nice clump of striped monkey grass. It'll grow in the shade, and it's bright. It sort of brightens it up. Uh, so, you know, those kind of things. But as far as flowers, you've got impatiens, you've got caladiums, you've got those red salvias. Uh, you know, there, there's plenty of good, good shade plants that bloom. Not as many, but plenty. Again, red salvia, caladiums, uh, monkey grass, impatiens. Hard to beat those just to start with. And then one other thing. Put you some kind of little accessory out there that's bright. You, you know what a gazing ball is? These great big silvery reflective gazing balls? Get a little one or or get you three little sticks and stick out there and put you some nice clear or green glass bottles on them, just sort of a little spray of them. Uh, it gives a little instant height. It makes it look better, and it collects and reflects light. It just it pretties it up. Okay, great. Thank you so much. More than you wanted to know, Sharon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, bye. Uh, so, you know... Abram, every time I mention bottle tree or something, people thank me and they hang up real quick. You know, I had a lady, t- you know what a bottle tree is? Oh, yeah. We built one in my house in New Albany when we lived there. You did. You know, yeah. it used to be we were pariahs. Somebody said, well, I just think they're tacky. I had a lady tell me she thought they were tacky. And I couldn't help. I should. I was raised better, but I couldn't help myself. I said, you know, you're hanging stuff out of holes in your ears. And she said, I beg your pardon? I said, that's right. You hang stuff out of holes in your ears. I put bottles in my tree. We are even. Perfect. Let's go down to, to Jackson and talk with Jim. Jim, good morning. Good morning, Felder. Um, I, re- I recently bought a house in Jackson that has a very, very weedy, shady backyard. Uh-huh. At- at some point in time, the previous owner has sprigged a whole bunch of monkey grass uh, back there, I guess, in an effort to try to take over the, the weeds. Did it? Is, is there a broadleaf weed killer I can spray that won't kill that monkey grass? That will or will not kill it? It will not. I want, I'd like the monkey grass to stay. Yeah, there's a... There are some, but I'm I'm a little loath to mention them because if you use them too strong or too often, they can also kill monkey grass. A lot of the things that, that we use for broadleaf weeds, once monkey grass puts all of its new growth up in the spring and then kind of toughens up, it doesn't keep putting leaves on all summer, just a big flush in the spring. Once this stuff kind of toughens up and hardens off, it's pretty resistant to some weed killers. I just can't say it on the air because it's against federal law to recommend things against what's on the label. So you might want to try something. 
uh, you know, just barely, just barely wet the leaves of your uh, of your the weeds, and see if that happens. But try it a little space, and don't tell anybody I told you. <laughs> Mom's the word. Hey, let me ask you this: What kind of mon- is it? Mondo grass or regular uh, the bigger monkey grass or what? It's a smaller uh, monkey grass at maximum height is about three or four inches. Yeah, that's that's mondo grass. You know, you can mow that stuff just like grass. You can mow it. The mondo grass. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm waiting for it to. Um, I'm waiting for it to fully flesh out this uh, this spring, and then uh, then I'm gonna mow it. But I'm, I still keep my mower really high. Yeah, if you'll do that and just go around, just spot treat, uh, spot treat as best you right. can. See if that doesn't help. Okay. Yeah. I'll do a test patch. How about that? There you go. There you go. But like I say, if you do something illegal, I didn't tell you about it. <laughs> As I said, mum's a word. Okay. I ain't saying a word to nobody. <laughs> okay. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Felder. There'll be no record of that anywhere. No, 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 no. And my son, the lawyer, he's already headed over this way. No, there's, there's a lot of people who, do, who who spray stuff without reading the label. They buy stuff without reading the label. I get it all the time. My husband sprayed this weed killer in my yard, uh, in my garden, my vegetable garden, and uh, they can't plant anything there. You know, and they put fire ant poison in the round vegetables that is absorbed into plant. Anyway, read and follow label directions. It's not a, a, a an old extension service thing. It's the truth. It's the truth. And no, seven dust won't kill everything. <laughs> there's no all-purpose insecticide or weed killer. It's just not. Any more than there's all-purpose medicines. Anyway, get off your high horse, Felder. Go up to South Haven. Talk to Rebecca. Good morning, Rebecca. How are you? Good morning, Felder. I'm doing great. I have kind of a nonsense question for you. You see this stuff pop up on Facebook, and it says all this. Uh, more tips like this, subscribe to whatever, you know. Yeah. But it said if I would put pennies, glue pennies, <laughs> all over a ball, all over a ball, yeah. it would deter slugs. Now, really? Would it, I mean, I got the pennies Ooh. and the bottle and the glue, and I'm thinking... I don't know. Well, you know, there's there's a a a lot of these things. I and I I just wrote an article for the Mississippi newspaper, all the 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 weeklies and dailies. I write. I have a syndicated column. I just wrote one on all the things I've heard that people swear by. That's simply not true. And there's a lot of them, and people will argue about every single one. I don't argue. I'm a scientist, but here's here's but they always have a tiny grain of truth behind it. Uh, for example, marigolds repel insects. No, they don't. But they will repel nematodes if you till them into the soil. Uh, and Epsom salts won't cure anything. But and eggshells don't add calcium to the garden. Purple martins don't eat mosquitoes. I can go on and on and on and on. Here's the deal, though. Apparently, snails and slugs have difficulty crawling across copper. I'm not sure why, but I've seen this enough to where I think there's something to it. But if you glue pennies to a bottle, there's enough copper in it where it's going to keep the slugs from crawling on that bottle. <laughs> it's not going to keep yeah. them. It's not going to keep them going around it to get to your hostess. <laughs> okay, it, it just looks like a lot of tedious work, you know, for not much fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I, what I would do, and by the way, if you're going to glue, use this stuff called E six thousand. I don't re- I don't sell anything, but E six thousand. You could glue the dog to the top of your car. 
I mean, that stuff, you, you could put marbles on a bowling ball, which is what I've done. Right. But E6000 glue anything. But put a few pennies on there, put you some little marbles or something like that, pretty it up. And even doesn't um, repel slugs or snails, it'll be pretty. Yeah, and what else are you going to do with pennies anymore? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm the kind of guy, I see them, I usually bend over and pick them up. You know, I got a little change jar in, in my house, and about once a year I take it to the change machine, and I get just enough to go out and have me a nice burger and a beer. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, apparently snails and slugs do have trouble with copper, and there's a little copper in the penny. But, again, it's not going to keep them from, right. walking, from crawling around it. Well, it was it was a ball that they were showing, and I'm like, it looked kind of cool, especially the shinier pennies. But yeah. I know my sister did this for um, Christmas decorations. She crazy glued toothpicks into sweet cum balls. I do that. And I do that. That's just real tedious. I it, mean, that's just real. It, it, uh, it is. You 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 break you, you break take sweet gum balls and break the and, and just put a little little uh, little Elmer's type glue on it. Stick them in the holes in there, and they look like Sputniks. Well, you're too young to remember yeah. Sputnik, but anyway, the, you can also spray. I just don't have that much patience. I'm oh, like, but there's uh, they are so pretty though. You do three or four. I say I make my own uh, homemade holiday Christmas ornaments that way, and it's. A, but here's a, here's something that they don't tell you about. If you put a little spray glue on there and dribble, uh, not just spray paint but a little bit of glitter on it, then right. for the next five years you will find glitter in your underwear drawer. It will be everywhere. <laughs> it, you I know. need to do this stuff outside. <laughs> no, no, it'll still make it in. Glitter will be inside your ear, no matter how careful you are. But no, I, I make a lot of what my you own do, Christmas. You get the sparkly, sparkly spray paints, what you do. <laughs> there you go. There you go. But no, uh, you know, there's all sorts of really cool little homemade ornaments that you can do with a little bit. In this, but anyway, it, people sometimes have a little downtime and this is what you do okay gather up your pennies and your patience and your glue and whatever you're going to put it on yep yep there you are it's just called accessorizing and i can just see the grandkids saying we need to spend these pennies (laughs) yeah there you go well no get them outside (laughs) with the glitter and the glue the grandkids right that way they go home to your kid's house Yeah. Anyway, they're up there, there, there is a grain of truth in in uh, copper and snails and slugs, but um, all right, the, the somebody's is they no. <laughs> all right. Well, you have a great weekend. Thank you, Rebecca. I appreciate it. All right, Abram. We've had a we've had some calls today, man. Yeah, we had a good show. Yep. And you're driving up to see see sis graduate. Sure am. Okay. Well, three now, hour drive tonight. Okay. Now you know the glory days. That's what they call them, glory days. So anyway, I've been having fun today. I'm horticulture's fellow rushing me and Abram and Java has been our phone greeter in there today, and and all the other folks at MPB. We like to have fun. We like to share stuff. We like to hook people up with local people who know stuff about interesting things. That's what we do. If you have a chance this weekend, it's a beautiful weekend. Go to a garden center. Get a big old pot, one you can barely put your arms around. Fill it with some potting soil and stick you a basil plant, an oregano plant, a zinnia. Put a flower, put a herb, put a little vegetable out there. Stick you a little ornament. Spray paint some branches and stick them in it. Have fun because gardening is about process, not product. 
you get a chance, take a kid to a farmer's market and let them meet people, grow stuff for a living. But most important, do what we all do best, folks, and that's get out and get dirty. See you next week. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Thank you.